Awesome. So we built this church for everybody, new believers, seasoned believers, unbelievers. And um, if you don't have a Bible, don't worry. We have three big Bibles for you here. But I'm going to dive straight into the scripture. We're going to start it out here in Acts chapter 2. And I'll give us some context and all that good stuff here in a moment. It says this here, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together. Someone say together. together. In one place. Suddenly... There was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of tongue or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So, so these were locals who were speaking in international languages that they didn't know naturally. And so the Holy Spirit gave them the supernatural ability to do so. Verse 5, at that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages spoken by the believers. These are followers of Jesus, these believers the Bible is referring to. They were completely amazed. How can this be? These people are all, are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Alamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, I'm doing good, y'all, Pamphylia, <laughs> Egypt, the areas of Libya, there's Rashan. I need some Rashan out there, I hear you. <laughs> Around Serene, visitors from Rome both the Jews and converts to Judaism. So these are Jewish people and non-Jewish people who believed in the one true God, Yahweh, and they were here. And it says this here, Cretans and Arabs, and all and we all hear these people speaking our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. So we are a note-taking church, and you're ready to go. I'm ready to go. I want to give you a little historical context here, so uh, don't tune me out, zone in. I want to also prepare our hearts for a series like Peer Product uh, when I teach about what the Bible is and how it came to be and how to study it. And so if, if this week is not like last week, don't worry about it. Still the same church, still the same preacher, still the same teacher. So are we ready to learn a little bit? Can I teach a little church history? Just a little teaching. And so Jesus was crucified around Passover time. And, and the Passover is an occasion where the children of Israel were being delivered out of Egypt. So God sent Moses to Pharaoh, and he said, let my people go. And he had to go to him ten times for that. Ten is actually the number of testing in Scripture. And um, he had to go to him ten times. And he said, well, if he's not going to let him go this last time, let, let my people go this last time, I'm going to take the lives of the firstborn sons of the land. So what I need you to instruct the children of Israel to do is to kill lambs and to spread the blood across the doorposts. Tonight, I'm going to send the death angel into Egypt. And if that blood is not on the doorposts, the firstborn sons of every, every family will pass away. And so he, he sent the, the death angel, and, and that happened. This lamb was a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. Um, so Jesus was crucified around Passover time. So Jesus' blood was being shed on the cross around Passover time. And so it's important to realize that when God sees you, especially when you are in Christ, he doesn't see your sin. 
he sees the blood of his son. Um, if he sees sin, he has to judge it. He has to judge it because he's a holy God. He is everything that we are not. He is perfect. He is all by himself God. So he sent his son in his love to shed his blood. And so when we sin, when I sin, he doesn't see my sin. He sees the blood of Christ. And what the blood of Christ does is it remits judgment. So, so it repels judgment away. And so Passover time, Jesus died on the cross. And then he, you know, we got Easter coming up here next month. So we're excited about that. Anyone excited about Easter? You ready for Easter? Easter's going to be awesome. And so uh, he rose from the grave and he stayed around for about 40 days. And, and he built community with his disciples. He taught them. And he gave them marching orders. He said, go and make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Son, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. I want my house to be full, so fill up the church, fill up the church, save souls. And then the Bible says that he went to heaven. A a cloud took Jesus up into heaven. This is not a myth. How many of you know that we don't serve a dead religion? But, but we serve we serve a risen Savior. So even 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 right now, Jesus is in heaven and he's fully alive, and he's actually doing work. He said um he said I've go I go to prepare you a place. So right now he's building you, building you a home in heaven, and he's building you a place. And I see Jesus right now. He has on a wife beater, even though that's not good. But he has on a white tank top. <laughs> Clean it up. We're in church. He looks like Cesar. Let's put it like that. And he has on a wife beater. And, and he has on his work belt, and he's just going around, and, and he's, he's preparing a place for you. And uh, it also says that when you don't know what to pray, that the son is in the father's ear, interceding for God's perfect will for your life. So if you've ever felt like giving up on life or, or quitting on life, and then that next day you felt that strength or that, that encouragement pop in, it's because Jesus was interceding for you, and the Holy Spirit said, okay, I hear you, Jesus. Now let me give them strength. Let me give them truth, you know, and now you're on with the next day. So Jesus is doing a lot of work in heaven, and that's why it's important that you serve right now because when you get to heaven, there's no uh, Cupid, booty, angel babies serving you sweet tea. You got a lot of work to do. And so um, that happened. And so 50 days, so 10 days after he ascended into heaven was what we call Pentecost. Someone say Pentecost. Penta means 50 or 5 or 50. So 50 days, he goes into heaven and 120 followers of Jesus meet in an upper room of a house. And I love Trevor identified this because I I was reading for this, this message this week and I'm like, whose house had enough room for 120 people. And so that debunks this theory of Jesus was poor. No, nah, Jesus was rolling with cats. He like, you got bread? All right, we go build a kingdom. You got bread? Let's build a kingdom. You got bread? Let's build it. You know what I mean? Jesus ain't had time to be broke. He had to build a kingdom. You know what I mean? And so, um, so yeah, anyway, I just love that. I mean, you're studying. You're in the spirit. Stay in that word. You're studying. And so, um, so he, they were there. And then these Jews came from all over the world, the Bible just told us, for Pentecost, to celebrate Pentecost. The original Pentecost was celebrated when God gave Moses the law right before the children of Israel went into the wilderness. So they were celebrating all of that. But these locals, these Galileans where Jesus was from, was speaking in their native tongue. And that's not possible. And so it's as if, because I don't know a lick of Spanish. I mean, I'm married to a Spanish woman, been married to her for eight years. 
but I should know Spanish by now. We should get beyond the hola, muy bien, muy bien. That's about it. That's the extent of it. And um, after that, I need you to switch to English. I just don't, I don't, I don't know. You can, see, you can be talking bad about me, and what I do is I make a face. I, I make a face like I know what you're saying. Like, I know, I know what you're saying. I really don't, but I know what you're saying. I know you're talking about me. I don't be knowing. I don't know at all. And um, what was I saying? So, yeah. So, so, so that's what happened. And, and two things happened. I want you to go ahead and write this if you're writing down notes. Two things happened. Two promises of Jesus happened in this text. And that's number one. Here it is. Number one. The Holy Spirit was given to believers. It even says it in the text that the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So this is important because you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Same person, different functions. So uh, Lindsay the daughter, Lindsay the nurse, Lindsay the mom, Lindsay the wife. Same person, four different functions. Holy Spirit is God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. So before Jesus, God came upon people. He would anoint them, he would empower them, he would use them, and then he would lift up. Okay, when Jesus was in the world, you know, you're, you're one of your favorite Christmas verses, uh, God with us. Emmanuel, when he was born, God was with us. And then when Jesus went to heaven, he promised when he was in the earth, the gift of the Holy Spirit within the believer so he sends the gift of the holy spirit to be in us on you with you in you okay there's a progression of it so the gift of the holy spirit was given to believers no other faith can claim this in the world uh, islam can't claim it hinduism buddhism none of it can claim it only the christian faith can claim to have the spirit of the living god in it. And it's really a supernatural thing. And the second thing that happened, here it is, write this down, is that the church was born. The church was born. The church was born. Or another way you can put it is that the foundation of God's house was laid. The church was born. The foundation of God's house was laid. It's as simple as this. So God in Eurishon, because Paul says that, don't you know that you are the temple of the living God? Your body is the temple of the living God. God in you, God in me, God in you, 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 God in you. God in you, it's, it's the temple. And he says, don't you know that all of you together make the house or the temple of the living God? And so the Bible teaches that brick by brick, God is building his house. And, and we are all what, what Isaiah calls living stones. So, so there's, there's a need to, to, to be rooted in faith and rooted in truth. Kind of like last week, living stones. The stone part is we're rooted in faith, we're rooted in truth. Then there's a need to be practical, living. <laughs> like some, some people love to pray all day, every day, you know what I mean? And, and then, but we need to be living. We got to go out and live the faith. We can't just be in our homes reading our Bibles 24-7. We got to go to work 
and love people and be living and be the light. We can't just be in this building every Sunday. We got to go out there and shine the light in the city brick by brick. The house of God, the house of God is. And that's what happened here in Acts chapter two is that the church was was born. And it's a beautiful thing. So to date, the church is one thousand nine hundred and eighty eight years old historically. And Paul says this uh, to the uh, church in Ephesus. He says this in Ephesians three, verse 20. No, Ephesians two. I'm sorry. Verse 20. It's a, he says this here together. Someone say together. We are his house. Someone say house. house. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. See, so um, like I said, I'm, I'm teaching y'all okay? Yeah. All right, so the disciples, the word disciple, write this down, means student or learner. It means student or learner. So when you come to faith in Christ, your heart posture should be to become a learner of God's word and of Jesus' ways. But then about two and a half, three years later, when he went to heaven, they got a promotion. They went from being disciples to apostles. The word apostle means sent one. So at a certain point, this is what this means. At a certain point, we have to go from sitting and learning to being sent by God. And, And it says that the church has been built on the foundation of these men and women who at one point they were learning about their faith watching Jesus work, watching Jesus change the world, and now they're the ones who are doing the work, and they're the ones who are doing the miracles. And then it says, of the prophets. So these are men and women who came before Christ, who was pointing to Christ. So so our, our faith is built on substantial, real stuff that's, that's real truth that's been around far longer and far before we got into the world it's, it's been built on a real substantial thing. And it says this here, in the cornerstone, someone say cornerstone, cornerstone, is Christ Jesus himself. Now, a cornerstone is the most important stone when you're building something. If you don't have the cornerstone, a building can't stand. If we don't have Christ, this is not a church. If we don't have the spirit, we're not a church. We're just a gathering. And it says this here, it says, we carefully join together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles, these are non-Jewish people, are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. And so go ahead and write this down. The church has always been a people that meet in a place. The church has always been a people that meet in a place. So just to give you some definition, the word church means called out ones who gather in the name of Jesus. Called out ones who gather in the name of Christ. So, so church is not a denomination. Church is not a logo. It's not a cute lamp on your chest. It's, it's not highlight church. The church is a group of people who gather in the name of Christ. And it's always been a people that meet in a place. I love our story. We converged all over the nation, a group of nine adults and two kids to Gaithersburg, Maryland, the church. And then once we got here, we started to meet in your basement, the Trans and the Conjuros basement. And we started to host prayer nights. And uh, I remember the second or third prayer night, a beautiful young lady uh, by the name of Anissa showed up. Give it up for Anissa, everybody. She's an OG. Basement days. That was, man, that was before interest meetings. That was like, whoa. 
So it's almost like you moved here with us. That's pretty cool. And so um, we, 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 we went from there. Then we went to the activity center across the street, Borough Park, where we had interest meetings. Uh, and then a few more bricks were added. So we went from nine adults and two kids to about 19. And then from the interest, uh, the activity center, Borough Park over here, we went to the youth center down the street here. And um, about five more bricks were added. So we had 24 people. And then we launched the church over at Shady Grove Middle School. And now here, some four years and change later, more bricks have been added here at Granary. We can celebrate this here at Granary Row. God is building his church brick by brick, brick by brick. And so if God chooses to get rid of this building, it's okay, because the church is not a building. The church is people. And so I want to give you a message entitled, An Amazing House. And I want to give us two qualities that characterize an amazing, healthy church. The first one, number one, is diversity. 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 I love it in our home. We have a 12-year-old and a 6-year-old. And uh, when it comes to food, it can get pretty um, tenacious around the house. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know if I want uh, Chipotle today. And the other person wants Chipotle. So for Jay-Z, Jay loves Uncle Julio's. I mean, um, some of you who know real tacos, you're like, Uncle Julio's, uh, that's okay. But look, I love Uncle Julio's. He loves it. But Judah's a hot dog guy. He likes hot dogs, ketchup only, no mustard. Spin it around the bun, cut it in half, and that's how he likes it. He loves hot dogs. Um, more so, we were out to, to Sweet Frogs yesterday, and Jay asked me, he said, Dad, do you like Sweet Frogs or Cold Stone better? And I'm like, uh, I got to go with the ice cream. I got to go with Cold Stone. Anyone a surrender to a strawberry person, Cold Stone? Or is, you don't like pound cake and ice cream? Am I the only one? Wow, not, okay, all right, all right, yes, yes, we're in this together. A little, little cake and ice cream is always good for the soul. Um, J- Judah sticks with his normal two or three flavors. Mom may venture out, but Jay, I mean, he loves all kinds. Jay goes vanilla, and he goes chocolate, and he goes banana, and he goes cotton candy, and he goes pistachio. And in preparation of this message, I was thinking about how Jay chooses ice cream flavors. It's similar to how Jesus chooses people. Like, I may like my strawberry, you know, surrendered strawberry, and I'm good. I'm good right there. Judah may like his pistachio and his cotton candy and his vanilla. He's good right there. But, but Jesus loves all kinds of flavors. Jesus loves vanilla. Jesus loves chocolate. Jesus loves caramel. Jesus loves, he loves it all. He died for it all. And so when you think about these Jews who came to Pentecost on that weekend, you, you start on that particular occasion, you start to think about, wow, Arabs, Cretans, Romans, People who struggle with alcohol addiction, sex addicts, people who are divorced, people who may have had leprosy, but they were trying to stay away from people. They were just kind of sneaking in and try, trying to see what was going on. And, and, and you know what I mean? Um, um, rich people. Like we said, whose house was that? You know what I mean? Um, Republicans, Democrats. It's like, but nevertheless, Jesus still sent the gift of the Holy Spirit. So that those people could hear the gospel and the good news that he loves them. And he he still presented an opportunity to come to God because Jesus loves all flavors. And he was just mixing it up. He was mixing up his church at the inception of the church. So go ahead and write this down. The church was born in the supernatural. 
These people couldn't speak these languages on their own. They needed the utterance of the Holy Spirit. And not only that, I mean, think about the timing. Because Jesus said when he was in the earth, he said, no one can take my life. I give it up. So he waited for 33 years until Passover came to die. He took a nap for three days. He got up, stayed around intentionally for 40 days because he needed to give them a week and a half to get past it so that they could gather again for prayer. And he said, Pentecost, the perfect time to send my spirit because there are people from all over the world now. And now they're going to be speaking in tongues and people are going to come to God and lives are going to be changed and miracles are going to happen. So God is a God of perfect timing and he was mixing it all up and they say right now in america the most segregated day of the week is still sunday but i don't see how when the church that was born in the supernatural was naturally diverse it's diversity go ahead and write these down these three continents were represented when the church was born here in the text africa Asia, and Europe. What they were saying in these people's native languages was that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And they were saying that in their native tongues, and these people were like, you're not supposed to know my language. So this has to be God. You ever came into a church, and some churches are like, uh, uh, I'll take it or leave it. Could have been a highlight. I don't know. You just use drug back here. I don't know. But you ever, you know what I mean? You ever, then you ever came to another church and it's like, I've never felt that in my life. I don't know what that was. That's the spirit of God. That's, that's God's spirit. I've never seen so many different people who don't look alike get along so well and do life so intimately. That's the spirit of God. I've never seen a church shine the way that that church shines in this city so well. That's the spirit of God. That's diversity. And the church was born into the supernatural, into a diverse context. The Lord gave uh, my wife a dream. And um, her, her dream was, it was a powerful dream, but. From a geographical standpoint, it led us to Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. And um, and that dream is directly connected to the name Rehoboth in Genesis 26, where Isaac was looking for a place to settle. This is Abraham's son, a man of faith. And everywhere he tried to settle so that his community could grow and thrive, he found tension. And um, all of his father's wells had been plugged with dirt and, and mud and all that. The haters, haters always go try to plug you up. It is whatever. Keep, keep on moving. And so um, he kept on moving, and he finally found a well. Y'all need to go back to the Fresh Water series. I was listening, I was listening to Fresh Water the other day. It said, bless your life. And so and he finally found a well that had, it was just free, and it was peaceful. And he named that well Rehoboth. And in the Hebrew, it means the vast expanse where we will flourish. And so he gave you that dream of Rehoboth Beach, but he put in my heart diversity. And he always said for years, he said, Josh, you're going to pastor a church. You're going to pastor one of the most diverse churches in human history. 
And you can't quantify that. You can't qualify that. You just have to obey that. And so when he gave you that dream, we kept our eye on it for about a year. And I just thought about it. I'm like, well, Delaware is not diverse enough. But what is around Delaware? What is near? What is that vast expanse? And if you do any Google search for the most diverse cities in America, you'll find that Maryland is in the top, in the top 10 and has at least five cities. So Germantown and Gaithersburg and Silver Spring, but never had Gaithersburg been number one. And so in 2015, God pulls this team together from all over the nation. We have white, we have Latino, we have Asian, we have black, and, 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 and he's putting this team together. And then we moved to Gaithersburg. No lie. We moved in the month of May. Our family moved here on May 11th, 2016. I was in the store the next day. And USA Today had just released an article on May 12th. You can Google this right now. May 12th, 2016. And it said at the headline, Gaithersburg, Maryland, the most diverse city in America. Oh, y'all ain't excited enough about that. That's supernatural. Oh, come on. Oh, my God. Come on, church. That's good stuff. This ain't our idea. This ain't Chow's idea. This is the Lord. Maybe I didn't preach that well or something. Lindsay? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That oh, Y'all be killing me, man. But you can't, fa- you can't fabricate this stuff. This ain't a cartoon. This ain't a game. These people lived, and they did miracles, and they died for the faith. These are the people we look up to, and you're living in this. There's nothing impossible for God when you're rooted in a healthy church. I mean, think about that. We can't fabricate. It's kind of like this building, right? Like, like during the um, 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 Ask for the Moon series, the Lord put on your heart, ask for a building. We were in Shady Grove Middle School. This is 20, 2019, October. The Lord put in your heart, ask for a building. And I'm like, we good. We don't need no building. We go set up and tear down for the next 10 years until we can buy land and build a building. We're going to sweat and bleed for it. You know me. And you're like, no, God said ask for a building. I'm like, uh. You reached out to a realtor, and he said, I think we found a spot. We came here. I've told the story before. It was all, ew. oh, my God, it was, ew. it was a mess. It was a mess. It was a mess. And But we came in here, and we walked around, and the Holy Spirit fell. And we got right there where that wall was, and we got on our knees and prayed, and, and you cried. And we built that wall on top of where your tears are. Now, if y'all don't get hyped about this, I don't know what's going to hype this church up. I'm going to go home. If y'all don't get ready to clap on this, I will go home. I did not pray and prepare this message for y'all to look at me. We didn't know it. God told you to ask for the building. We did Thanksgiving. We did Christmas. We bust 500 wide open. We were only three years old in Shady Grove. Oh, my God, God was moving, and I knew it. We moving into a building. We about to break 1,000 this Easter. I knew it. What we didn't know, but God did, because you can't fabricate May 12th. What we didn't know, but God did, COVID-19 came. But it's all good because we already had a building to meet in, to move forward in. It's a miracle. 
This ain't our idea. This is the supernatural. This is the Holy Spirit. This is the church of the living God. And when his hand is on your life and on your church, you're unstoppable. That's prophetic on the apostles and the prophets. We were sent and we've been given a prophetic word. And what I've been telling, I'm trying to get us to wake up, Highlight Church. Let me, let me explain something to you. By the year, we're still on diversity. By the year 2040, watch me now. Hear my heart, hear my heart, hear my heart, hear my heart. Hear the Lord. By the year 2040, the Caucasian race will no longer be the majority in America. And Rashawn, when God is ready to do something on a global scale, he starts in the church. And, 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 and so what you have to see is you have to, everyone right now, real quick, you can. If you were here, you'd be able to, but it's okay. Maybe you look around in your house. Everyone, real quick, I'll give, you, I'll give you 10 seconds. Just look around the room. We, we, don't, we don't look at each other enough. Just look around the room. This is, this is prophecy that has been fulfilled. And that is still unfolding. Why? Because in about 10, 15, or 20 years, you're going to have to lead the conversation with your Hispanic friends and your black friends and your Asian friends and your Jewish friends about how to get along and how to love people that don't look like you and how to serve people and serve with people and change a world that wants to be so divisive. But when the church was born, it was born in diversity. Did you know that about church history? Right here. Most importantly, the context of our church and of the church in Acts 2 represents the demographic of heaven. Revelation 7, when we all come before the the throne to worship God in heaven, it says, after this, Revelation 7, I saw a vast crowd too great to count. John said, I couldn't even count them, man. It had to be trillions of people. Throughout the course of human history, I couldn't even count them. Too great to count from every, someone say every, every. nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne before the Lamb. Who is the Lamb? Jesus. They were clothed in white robes, July series, and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar. Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. Wow. I, um, I visited Elevation Church. Well, we visited a few times, but Pastor Furtick often says, especially on, in these conferences, these pastoral conferences when you come, he says, um, he'll say to a staff and, and to volunteers that are there, he'll say, man, look, look at people from all over the world coming to Elevation Church, and you got it right in your backyard. Sometimes you just don't know when you're sitting in the middle of a miracle. Ah, uh, you don't. <laughs> I want to go to that. I want to go to that. It's right here. It's right here. You're the future. You're the future. You're the leaders. (laughs) Build this house. Oh, my God. So Peter preached fire, and the church went from 120 to 3,020. 
people came to Christ, it says this here in Acts 2, verse 41. Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. So that's a punch in the devil's gut because only Satan likes small churches. 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted. And let me give you a pro tip. Whenever God is moving, crowds gather. And, And I was with the staff this week, and I'm like, why can't our registrations get past a certain point? I know, I feel it in the spirit. People want to come to church and they're here. Why can't they get past a certain point? We've got to fill this room up. And our kids director said, it's, yes, our kids director said, because we're tapping out in kids' church back there. Like, dang it, that's the problem. We've got to open up a third service. Yeah, because if we can't provide service to kids, the adults won't come. So, so, so we can just, I'm telling my superheroes, just be ready. Three services for Easter. That's a plug. Come on. Three services for Easter. They're like, we ready. Somebody else like, uh, I'm good for that 1045. Don't sign me up for that one. See, y'all wrong. You need to repent. You need to repent. What am I saying? Verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals and amazing house and to prayer. Here it is, a deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. Someone say each day. Met in homes. Someone say homes. For the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Each day, the Lord didn't mind that the church got bigger and bigger and bigger. So the second quality of an amazing, healthy church is number two, unity. Unity. And in the church, an amazing house unifies around four key areas. Go ahead and write these down. The first one is, number one, the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching. Or you can say the pastor's teaching. So right now in, in the scripture in Acts 2, the people don't have the New Testament Bible written out because they are the authors of the New Testament. So what they have is, go ahead and write this down. This is important. It's preparing you for pure product. They have Moses, which is the Pentateuch, or the first five books of Scripture. They have the historical books. They have the books of wisdom. And they have the prophets. And they just had Jesus for two and a half years, God in the flesh, teaching them not about the law, but about the New Testament and the kingdom of God. So Jesus never taught the law. He explained it. He was the fulfillment of the law. But Jesus came with a whole new deal, and he taught about the kingdom and the ways of heaven and how to get into the kingdom of heaven while you're alive and how to get there once you pass away. And so they also have his teachings. And so right now, the apostles are coming before the people once a week, just like we are, and they're teaching. And what the church would do is they would take notes, and they would go home throughout the week, like groups, and they would break the word down from the message. So they would say, "Mm, that first point, diversity, let's talk about that. 
That's what God is doing. That's where God is moving. Let's pray into that. Let's push that. Let's love diversity. Mm, Unity. Let's talk about unity. What does unity look like in this church? What does unity look like in your marriage? What does unity look like in the workplace? What does unity look like in the home? They, they break that word down so they were devoted and unified around the apostles' teaching. What we call it here at Highlight Church is message-based small groups or light groups. That's why you get the small group. Number two, they were unified around fellowship. Someone say fellowship. fellowship. If you're taking notes, this word simply means that they had everything in common. And, and they were voluntarily giving away money and resources, and they were motivated by love. We were leaving church, uh, I think it was Wednesday or Tuesday. We were going down the stairs, and we had a superhero coming out the elevator. And um, she stopped us because she just, she, she had to tell us about this amazing testimony. And so the individual told us that two weeks ago they had a situation, and it was going to cost them a lot of money to get out of this situation. And they didn't have it. So that was two weeks ago, but last Sunday, a few superheroes stopped her and handed her an envelope. And right in that envelope, it was more than enough for the situation that she was in. And, and that, we, can, we can celebrate that. Come on, we can celebrate that. <clears throat> That's what you call being unified around fellowship. You need a babysitter, I got you. You need food, I got you. Your fridge is empty, I got you. You need me to fix your car, I got you. That's fellowship. That's what an amazing house looks like. Number three, they unified around meals. Someone say meals. They enjoyed a meal. They observed the life and the resurrection and the death of Jesus Christ. They took the Lord's Supper. A lot of people ask us, when do we do communion? We do it three or four times a year. But I want to encourage you that in your small groups, you can partake in communion. You can observe and and, and honor God for for the sacrifice that he made on the cross, for what Jesus did on the cross. Just prepare you some juice and some bread, quote some scripture, pray, and take communion. That's what they were doing. The pastors and the apostles weren't always around. They were taking their own communion. They was going out to the steakhouse. They was going out for milkshakes. They was going out having fish sandwiches. They was having tacos. They were enjoying it because Jesus loved to eat. So they carry this tradition on. And when you sit down, you can have some amazing discussions. You can really build in your relationships when you eat. And number four, they unified around prayer. Someone say prayer. They met at the temple courts and homes every day. They pray with each other and for each other in Jesus' name. And we know when we pray, miracles happen. So people were being healed in homes. Peace was being released. Joy was filling people's hearts. It was an amazing thing going on, and the Holy Spirit was moving in a profound way. I'll tell you what, if I'm the enemy of your soul, I don't want that for you. If I'm the enemy of your soul, I don't want that for you. I want you to be lonely. And I'll use anything to get you away from faith-filled people. And I think hell was having a party last year. With COVID, but because if I, I wish I had the graph, but if I would show you a, a diagram of, of the impact that COVID had on the people that we lost versus the people that were lost to other things, it blow your mind. And, and so the enemy just kind of rode that train last year, and he's still trying to ride it. 
because he doesn't want people to be together. I mean, think about it. So, so these are people who have come to Christ. They're saved. And if your parents, this will really resonate with you if you have kids. It is not normal to have a child leave the hospital. Some people have done this. We've heard the stories. Leave the hospital and then leave the baby on the sidewalk. When you come to Christ, Jesus says in John 3, you are reborn. So it would be abnormal for Jesus to save your soul, but not create an environment where you can grow and prosper. Y'all getting tired. I'm five minutes over. That's the problem. Okay, I got to go. It would be abnormal. It would be abnormal. So, so the church is actually built for you to grow in your faith. Because if God is the Father, if God is the Son and the Holy Spirit, they're all in agreement that the church is important. But if I'm the enemy, check it. Before Jesus was born, you read your Bible, you'll know that King Herod issued an edict even after he was born to kill every firstborn or or firstborn son or kid, a boy that was under two years old. Why? Why would the enemy of your soul do that? Because he's in a border of potential. And so if you're new to your faith and you've just been born or if you're trying to grow in your faith, the first thing I want to do is keep you away from people who have the gift sets to grow you in your faith. And so now I know if I can keep you alone, my grandma used to say, an idle mind is the devil's playground. If I can keep you alone, I can crank it up on the depression in your life, on the anxiety, on the fear. And before you know it, you're just existing. I gave my life to God, but why isn't anything different? I gave my life, but I gave because you need healthy community. And I've come to find this out, write this down, is that a lack of strength is often the result of a lack of healthy community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and here it is, write this down. You may have the Holy Spirit in you, but you need a spirit-filled church around you. You need a spirit-filled church around you. I don't know God's plan for your life. I don't know where you're going to be in four or five years or what state God's going to move you into or what career you're going to have or who you're going to date. But this is what I do know. When people ask me, Pastor, what is God's plan for my life? That's the top question that pastors get. I just want to encourage you. We are not God. We don't know. But we do know this. We do know that God's plan for your life is to grow in your faith by growing with others. So wherever you are, you have to be dead set on finding an amazing house with a beautiful garden. You, you got to find a healthy church. And we want to know, if God ever uproots you out of Highlight Church, let us know. We're going to partner alongside you and try to find you a healthy church because it has everything to do with your future and your potential. There's nothing like the local church. There's, don't get me started. Y'all remember a few weeks ago, I became a man in the local church. I learned how to deal with my finances in the local church. 
I grew in the local church. I was saved in the local church. I found my wife in the local church. It's all in the house. It is not out there. It's in the house. Two action steps I want us to take as we get ready to go. Number one, I want to encourage you. Here it is. Join a light group. Join a light group. If you haven't, go ahead and join a light group. Get, get plugged in. Number two, I want to encourage you to join the team. Join the team. Let's discover your spiritual gifts. I want you to find true life by making an impact in the lives of others. Join the team. Super Steps is April 11th and April 18th. So on Sundays, you're building a relationship with people, and you're having fun, and you're changing the world. Then throughout the week in your light groups, you're building relationship, you're growing deeper in your faith, and, and all that. It's just good stuff. The Holy Spirit moves in that. Hebrews 10 says this. It says that we should keep on encouraging each other to be thoughtful and to do helpful things. Some people have gotten out of the habit. Someone say habit. habit. Of meeting for worship. But we must not do that. We should keep on encouraging each other, especially since you know that the day of the Lord's coming is getting closer. Some people have gotten out of the habit. The habit. Someone say habit. 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 And COVID-19 hasn't made it any easier. But the truth of God's word is, is we, we got to continue to make this thing a habit. You remember that question last week we asked, um, do you see hard times as an excuse to quit or as an opportunity to grow? And it kind of bleeds into this week a little bit when it comes to making church a habit. And um, COVID-19 has been a real issue. Won't deny that. Won't, won't take that away from, from it and the, the effects that it's had. I, t- I don't know why God has drawn me to the analogy of bread. You know when you leave bread in the cupboard for too long? It begins to get that little blue mold and it spreads. And, um, and that's because it was in there for too long. It's kind of like any legitimate reason to not do something. But but I think when it comes to your faith, all legitimate reasons for stopping the practice of what God says begins to expire. And after it expires, if you're not careful, it can begin to develop a mold in your faith. And so the truth of God's word says, this is God's word. So all scripture is inspired by God. God breathed. So when you read scripture, you're breathing in the breath of God. It is God breathed. So as men were inspired by the Holy Spirit, they wrote, God says, some have gotten out of the habit. And so about a year ago, we had an excuse or a reason. Now, it's became an excuse. And it, what it does is 
it just slowly eats away at your faith and at your strength and at your fortitude to just watch on the screen all the time. I got a church. It's in Charlotte. I got a church. It's in Oklahoma. That's not your church. That is someone who inspires you. Church is a gathering. And you can go from Genesis to Revelation. There is never a place in God's word where he gives us the okay to disperse. Because when we do that, God can't move in the supernatural. And so... If you read Hebrews in context, these people were being scattered across the Roman Empire and they were getting killed for gathering. Not the author. The author is just a tool. The preacher is just a tool. God, through the author, had the audacity to tell them to gather anyway. This tells me this that we are called to gather. No matter if we've had a tough week, a good week, if our life is on the line, we are called to gather as the day of his return draws near. I don't know about you, but I think the best place to be when Christ comes back is in the house of God. It's with the people of God. I mean, Jesus took his disciples everywhere, Rashawn. Culturally, lepers, you couldn't get within six feet of them. If the wind was blowing, you had to be outside of 120 feet from a leper. Jesus would come. He would bring the disciples like, what you doing? We, we, we got to be, no, no, six feet, six feet, six feet. Healed. Healed. And then the disciples slowly began to kick the excuses. And they were. Because he was trying to show them that I got to go. You guys are up next. You can't be hiding behind every reason and every excuse not to meet. Because I want to move. Enough is enough. America holds on to things way too long. And we might lose some visitors and some guests for this one, but I'm going to be real because it's the Spirit of God. I want to encourage us with three things. It might not be all that encouraging, but this is the truth of God's, God's situation in your life. There are three things that happen to us. I've said this before. Here it is. You ready? We're born. We get sick. All of us. All of us. It's no shame if you're sick. I come against shame in the name of Jesus. If you're, if you're COVID positive, I come against shame because even after you've gotten healed, you don't feel as though you can go around people. That's Satan. We, we all get sick. We all get sick. And we die. So stop allowing this season to keep you from obeying what the word of God has commanded us to do. So the Lord can move supernaturally 
in your life. We have to keep gathering. We got to keep fighting for each other. We got to keep praying. We got to keep worshiping. We got to keep meeting. We got to keep being an amazing house. Come on, put your hands together for that word. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. We got to. We got to. We got to. We got to. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you honor and praise, God. Oh, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your local church. Thank you, Lord. And all things are possible. Lord Jesus, you said wherever two or three gather in your name, whatever we ask, you will do. So, God, I pray for healing. I pray for strength, Lord, in your people. I pray for the peace and the faith that they need to move forward into this week, knowing that you've already gone before them. They've honored you by gathering. They've worshiped. They've received the word in their hearts, God. Now I pray that it would bear fruit here in the future, Lord. Show forth your glory in their lives. If there's anyone in here who does not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I just want to give you an opportunity to come to him today. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, and whosoever shall believe in him shall inherit eternal life. God loves you, and he sent Jesus to prove it. You're saying today, I want to be made new. I want your spirit. Wash me, cleanse me. I'm coming to you, Lord. Pray this prayer with me. Open your heart. Say, Father God, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. Lord, and I believe that you raised him. Lord, you, you rose him from the grave. God, I ask that you would give me the gift of your Holy Spirit. Wash me. Make me new. I give my life to you. I make you my Lord. I make you my Savior. And I am yours from this day forth. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate it. Love you, God.